Hi, welcome to Mothers of Chaos, a podcast about parenting, motherhood, and individuality in all of its messy glory. We're Whitney and Yoshko, two moms trying to do our best and find the calm in the chaos of life. Take a break. This podcast for you. You're in the right place. So sit back, relax, laugh with us, or if it makes you feel better, just laugh at us. Hi, this is Yoshko with Mothers of Chaos. Today is Focus Friday, Episode 2, Halloween and Safety. So today I'm going to go over the safety tips and tricks for Halloween, different methods you can use, the weather, the different ways to keep track of your kids, and then I'm going to end about candy and safety. So starting off, if you do not have kids of age, you currently do not have kids at this time, or they have outgrown trick-or-treating, this episode's not really for you. You're kind of past that point. You don't really need this episode. If you're in the thick of it or you're starting out, then I think this might be of relevance. And if you'd like to give it a listen, then I'm glad you're here. So for... Trick-or-treating in your local community, there's different ways to do it. You could do it in the private sector at your church with a trunk-or-treat or or maybe an indoor event. There's also your children's school functions where they will have a festive holiday and you could just call it good then. There's also your local community indoor events where you you get an armband and a ticket and you go in and they have music playing and you trick-or-treat from booth to booth. And usually those are funded by different local businesses. You know, usually that's city or sometimes corporately funded. So there's different options depending on which city and state you live in. I would check all of those options out if you'd prefer to do an indoor thing due to weather. If you prefer to do it old school and outdoors, then I will cover that in a moment. So moving on to weather. If the weather is cold or freezing, obviously dressing kids. Sometimes kids will fight it. Like my younger son does not like it when you mess with his costume. Like he wants you to see his costume and he will refuse to go out if you cover his costume. So I strongly suggest that you buy costumes thinking that way. So you buy them big, one, because it can last in the dress-up box longer, but two, because then you can layer as much as you need to underneath. Maybe if they're willing to wear the snow pants bottoms and a couple sweaters and, you know, thermal tops. Also gloves. If sometimes I deliberately go get ones that match their kind of costume outfits, they won't fight me so much. You know, just the, the knitted cheap ones. I strongly suggest that too, if you have a younger, more stubborn child like mine. And then having the car warm or having base be the middle, wherever it is in the neighborhood, kind of map it out where they can kind of come back and recharge. And that way, too, if you have younger children, the older children can kind of keep going with dad and you can drop off the younger ones when they're burned out. So moving on from the weather, (laughs) we also need to kind of cover how to keep your kids safe. So for indoor events, it's always awesome if your child picks a really unique or odd costume because then they stick out like a sore thumb, right? You can just find them in a crowd. I would say, obviously, the buddy system, you guys all probably want to stay together or sometimes assigning parents or older siblings or aunt or uncle, whoever is in the group, to a child. And that way there is a buddy system with an adult. If it's a small school function, it's pretty easy to stay as a group and a family. At bigger functions where it gets way more hectic, dividing up that way sometimes works. Another method that I've seen people actually do is they kind of jersey mark their kids in the back. Like they get neon tape. And they just put that big, thick duct tape across the back of the costume. And they would Sharpie their last name, like a jersey. And I thought it was great. I've even seen one where I think they had a huge family because they had the last name and then they had a number next to it. And it made me laugh really hard because I was like, wow, the fact that you're numbering your kids kind of means there must be a lot of them, right? So those are just different methods to kind of have your eye on your children while they're running around you in a big event. I would strongly suggest those methods. I think they're pretty awesome. Um, Now, if they are older, having guidelines, and it applies when they go out too, 
to neighborhoods, but basically keep your phone on you. You need to be able to hear it. The vibrate better be on. We'll meet back here at this time. You know, you set a uh, timer on their phone so they can't be late. You kind of remove the excuses and set the phone up before they walk away from you. So they don't have that as an excuse of like, oh, it's, you know, it was off or I didn't hear the alarm. Setting up those barriers and, and setting your expectations for your child. I think that's really good when they're like a teen or a tween and they're going to go run off on their own at an indoor event or an outdoor event. I just think that that is smart to have with children of an older age. Also for cars, cars are a big, scary thing. My father lost his older brother when they were children, trick-or-treating due to a drunk driver. DUIs are very high. The big thing you need to worry about is a drunk driver hitting your child or putting your children at risk, especially if you're near a big public roadway, but even a back neighborhood having visibility. So once again, that reflective tape, it comes in all sorts of different colors nowadays. You can cut it and fit it on parts of the costume that definitely reflect and catch the light. Those are all really good options to just kind of perk up the visibility. Also doing big groups and having the road rules. You look both ways. You kind of walk along the ditch of the roadway when you're going from house to house. If they go without you, then plotting out the route they're going to take in the neighborhood before they get back. My cousin's kids, they're older and they can go on their own because mom and dad know the route. They talk about it beforehand. Everybody understands how long it should take them to kind of get it done. And if it exceeds that time limit, the older one has to flip out the phone and call them. You know, there's, there's a system in place. So for older kids, you could do that. For younger kids, it's really good to divide up the neighborhood so that if they get burned out, you can drop off the scragglers with whoever stayed at home to pass out candy and keep going. I would strongly suggest that. Kind of like when you go to a theme park, right? You want like a central rest area that you can get back to quickly. So it's the same thing when you're out trick-or-treating. If you're doing the car method yourself, going to a neighborhood and parking in a central location so that your kids can warm back up in the car while they hit houses is much more convenient and less stressful way to navigate a neighborhood filled with children and family groups than going from door to door to door with the car. Because one, you're kind of blocking off the roadway if it's really nuts there, right? And then the other one is that you have to keep a peripheral on all these families where you won't have to worry about that until you're trying to like escape the area. So if you're going to like a street, if you just parked in the middle of it and let your kid kind of hit the first third, like drop them off at the front, and then park down a ways, and then they can jump in, warm up for a bit, jump back out, and then you just meet them down to the end. You just have relay points, right? And I would suggest doing that for smaller children. Obviously, if they're bigger, they can kind of suck it up, and you could just go park and listen to an audiobook while they hit the circuit, and then jump back in the car, right? So those are all really good options, I would say, as far as children trick-or-treating and safety. So I hope I covered all of that for you guys pretty conveniently, but I just wanted to get these safety points across to you guys. Going over it again, dressing for the weather visibility, whether that's indoor or outdoor, whether that's having a name or a, a identifier out in public places to having reflective equipment when they're out in the dark, going through well-lit areas that you guys are all familiar with and having a route mapped out, having a responsibility chain set up and a communication chain set up, having buddies to kind of get around, making sure that they're able to warm up or recharge if need be. And the last point I'd like to get across is the candy. So a lot of people are really worried about poisoning and candy, and there have been two incidences in the United States. One of them, a really old woman in the 60s, decided to pass out rat poison in its container, like it said what it was, and dog biscuits. But basically, she kind of just hated children, to be completely honest with you, and she was just being a jerk. She wasn't trying to deliberately poison them, but police did not like it. Like, they tried to press charges on her, 
And that's basically what happened. But it was like a flagrant and she gave it to older kids too, like not small children or anything like that, but like basically teens. It was like a spite thing. That was in the 60s, like the late 60s. Uh, there is a man from Texas and there's documentaries about him and all this other stuff if you want to look it up. But he is kind of why there's a candy man and there's, you know, all these like horror stories about poisoning children. He took out a life insurance policy on his children and tried to poison them with Dixie sticks that he made and had in their bags. Only his son ate the Dixie stick and only, or Pixie stick. He was the one that died. It's sad. Like his youngest child died from it. And then he ended up getting executed. It's dark. But I just want to put it out there that a man poisoned his own family. And that is why there is that urban legend about candy being an at risk. Now, I'm not saying that you should just be like, yeah, kids totally safe to take candy from strangers. No. Stranger danger, guys. Don't get in any stranger's cars. Don't do that. Like, that's a basic principle, right? Stranger danger. And that should apply when they're out trick-or-treating. They shouldn't be talking to strangers. They shouldn't be getting into cars or going into houses. You know, that's why there's the buddy system, right? But what I'd like to say about the candy is that, as the adults, when they're done with the loot, and this is something that my parents have always done, I don't know about your guys's, pour out the candy and you just kind of eyeball it, you know, if they look like they've been opened and closed or anything gross or they just had exposure. That's just not sanitary to begin with. So you just ax all that, right? Anything that you find questionable, I would ax. If there's a neighborhood or house that you're kind of like, eh, then maybe skip out on that. Um, if they visited the old lady at the end of the street that passes out ancient candy, obviously ax that. It's like a common sense rule, guys. And then also... If you're like my parents, they would take all their favorites and eat them and they would say it was a safety precaution, but they would, they would eat, you know, like they would, she would steal all like the candy apples, lollipops, right? I'm sure a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. And then also just bag up a lot of the candy and just give them a couple pieces that night, right? They don't need to make themselves sick. They can kind of like met it out or have it in school lunches or whatever, or after just school a snack, whatever works for you. Use some common sense when it comes to the candy. Your biggest concern should not be that somebody's out to randomly poison your children or put like razor blades in, you know, their treats. It should be use your common sense to filter through the candy and make good choices. So that's all I wanted to say about that. I hope that this episode was helpful and relevant and hopefully less stressful for you guys. This year, one of us stays home and then we get to trade places. And then the other one will go out and hit the neighborhood. And usually at that point, that's when like the little one gives up. My husband likes to uh, marathon it until the younger one's out. Usually that's how they finish their circuit. And then when they're done at the end of the night, Mike and I go through the candy. We steal what we like. We bag it up and try to be really fair to the kids about it. And then we give them a small bag of candy, like usually a snack bag of candy. So they feel like they got a decent amount of loot. And we let them heat up watching a, a movie and head off to bed. So that's basically our routine. If you guys have any suggestions or any advice for other parents on how to stay safe and how to have a really great Halloween, we'd love to hear from you. Please tag your stories, little victories, and advice related to this episode with hashtag MOC Focus Friday. With your permission, we'll share some of our favorite responses on our Instagram story feed every hashtag Throwback Thursday. If you have questions, please drop us an email or Instagram DM and we'll get back to you with hashtag Tuesday Tips. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Focus Friday. Focus Friday. It's Friday. Well, everyone, we'd love to hear from you. Please tag our... Your, <laughs> hey, ladies. Hey, everyone, we'd love to hear from you. Please tag your stories, little victories, and advice related to this episode with hashtag MOC 